of grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, in this world we have trials, don't we? In this world, we're faced with perhaps a declining health. Each of us is faced with growing older all the time. Each of us has family, friends that go astray. As the Bible says, each one of us to their own way. But the Lord has had mercy on us all. And yet it's so very easy for us in times of trial, in times of, of, of torment to uh, look at God and say, God, if you really loved me, why? God, if you really loved me, why are my legs so weak this morning when I'm trying to get up and go to church? God, if you really love me, why is there frost on my windshield keeping me an extra five minutes so that I can get there? God, if you really loved me, why has one of my children gone astray? God, if you really love me, yeah, I'll make a rhyme. Why am I old and gray? We ask those questions, don't we? And we can come to blame God. We can come to think that maybe God doesn't really love us. We can come to, to say maybe those promises are you know, for those folks over there, but the promise doesn't really seem to be for me. We come, come to doubt at times, don't we? But dear friends, that is exactly what Satan wants us to do. And the fact of the matter is we've kind of become uncomfortable even talking about Satan, haven't we? And yet Jesus himself says, Satan is a roaring lion. He goes about freely seeking whom he may devour. Hey, our Lord and Savior, he lets us know that Satan, yes, is out there. In fact, it, it's Satan that is the roaring lion. It's Satan that wants to devour each of us. We're faced with that problem every day, aren't we? And again, we, we can say, why? Why is it that way? Pastor, why does you know, Satan have to be in the world? Why can he go about freely doing whatever he pleases, it seems? Why is it like that? And as we know, it's really because God must be faithful to his word. You say, huh? You see, God must remain true to his character. God cannot just uh, do whatever he pleases, but if God gives his word, he must keep it. It's that word of God that we depend on so very much. And the problem becomes, it's that very word of God that gave the world to Adam and Eve, isn't it? 
See, we go all the way back to the book of Genesis and the Lord God said to Adam and Eve, go and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature. You see, God loved Adam and Eve. He loved us so very much. He gave us the world. And the world was really a perfect place. No, every time we're reading through the, the first part of the book of Genesis and, you know, God creates a certain aspect of the world and then he says, it was good. And then God creates another aspect of the world. It was good. In fact, Adam and Eve, they lived in, in this near perfect environment. The mist of the ground went up in the morning and it came down as rain in the afternoon. It watered the plants. They didn't have to worry about irrigation. We're told one of the parts of the curse is that now there will be thorns and thistles. It means before the fall, no thorns, no thistles, no weeds in the garden. Adam and Eve just uh, kind of, you know, lounged uh, around and they had little jobs like, you know, naming the animals. You said, well, that was hard intellectual work. But it's nothing near as bad as we go through today to earn daily bread, was it? You see, Adam and Eve, they had this perfect place. God himself had given to them the world and they said in their own hearts, we'll invite Satan in to be part of the management team. Well, it wasn't quite how they said it, but that's the effect, isn't it? We no longer trust that God is going to take care of us. We no longer trust that God's word is going to be sufficient for us. We're going to begin to listen to this uh, uh, Satan, the uh, fallen angel. We're going to you know, listen to, to this other deity that seems so very wise to us. And so they did. Right, they, they listened to him. They fell under his spell. They were in the, the trap. They ate of the fruit. And then God comes to them and they hide. Because they know they've messed it up. You see, by one man's sin, death entered the world, the New Testament tells us. The whole world changed at that point. Now there would be thorns and thistles. Now there would be having to labor by the sweat of your brow. Now there would be pain in childbirth. Now things were not as good as they used to be. But the Lord did not leave us in that state, did he? The Lord loved us each so very much that even though it was our fault, even though we had messed it up, he sent Jesus to fix it. No, really, that's what Jesus did, wasn't it? The world was good. Everything was great. The world fell into sin. It was our fault. It wasn't God's fault. Right? We need to be able to take the blame. We need to be able to say, yes, I have sinned. I have gone astray. It was my fault. We take the responsibility. That's the only way we can begin to heal, isn't it? You know that from, from daily experience, right? 
If you somehow have a, a son or daughter, grandson, granddaughter, niece or, or nephew, and they're always standing around going, oh, woe is me. <clears throat> oh, you know, those teachers I had in school. Oh, those coaches that I had when I was young. Oh, you know, my, my mom, my dad. Sometimes we hear that, right? Grandma and grandpa answer, oh, my you know, those people, if they wouldn't have done what they did, my life would be so much better. No, we need to be able to come to the point where we can take the responsibility, where we can say, you know, it, it's me, oh Lord. Not my mother, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. I'm the one standing in the need of prayer. It's me. I need the help. And when we can do that, the Lord Jesus comes into our hearts. Things began to be made new. The sin in our life begins to be repaired. Our relationships begin to grow to fruition once again. And most of all, the way to heaven is opened for us. See, in the state that things were, people couldn't make it into heaven. They couldn't get there under their own power. It's always been kind of interesting to me that, that in the Old Testament times, the best that you could hope for was to go to that place where Father Abraham was. See, if I can just get to that place where Father Abraham is and Father Abraham can comfort me, that, that was the, the most that they could hope for. <clears throat> in fact, even as Jesus is walking the earth, he tells the parable about Lazarus and the rich man. And maybe you, you kind of remember it, but you know, Lazarus was poor and they laid him in front of the rich man's home and the rich man just kept passing by and he didn't care about poor Lazarus who's dying in front of his house. But Jesus says that they both died Lazarus was gathered to Abraham's bosom. Right? Like, yeah. The people of that day, yeah, you know, Lazarus, he, he got to go be with Abraham. Yay. See. And of course, the, the rich man died. He's languishing in hell. But the, the point of reminding you of that particular parable today is, you know, people even in Jesus' time, the best that they could hope for was they would go to a, a special place where Father Abraham was. And guess what? When Jesus died for our sin, he opened the gate of heaven for all believers. Now we're looking forward to going home to be with God. Now certainly Abraham you know, is probably going to be there. But the goal is no longer just I can go hang out with Abraham. The goal is I get to be with my father. I get to go home to heaven. I get to be with, with all the saints. And that is what Jesus did for us. By his death on the cross, he opened the way to heaven. And yet, on the other hand, it's not just, okay, you know, folks, you know, just kind of hang out and, Maybe when you're 70 or 80 or 90 years old, you, you finally get to go home. But also he is with us every day, isn't he? 
As I said before, he's helping us, right, to to grow. He's helping us to, to fix the relationships that are damaged by sin. He's helping us to be able to to reach out to others and bring them back to know God as well. You see, when we're getting hurt, when things are going wrong, when we're we're aging, joints are failing, we're having trouble walking, you're you're, you're maybe fearing the day you're going to be in the wheelchair. We need to understand that those Things are common to man. It's not because God hates us somehow. It's not because the promise of God is just good for that person over there, but it it doesn't really apply to me. The fact of the matter is, yeah, Satan is in the world. And and Satan is making ourselves age. And and Satan is disrupting our relationships. And and, and Satan is leading our friends and our neighbors astray. And he has that power because we gave it to him. He has that power because the world fell into sin. But God doesn't want that. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to be able to fix all of those things. Jesus loves us so much. He looked upon the world. He saw the terrible condition that it was in. He saw the the struggles, the the problems, the turmoil that each of us face. And he said, I want there to be something better. I want my children, I want the people I love to be able to make it home to heaven. I want to open the way to heaven for all who believe. And not only that, I want their lives to be better here and now. I want to be able to live within their hearts. I want to be able to heal their broken relationships. I want to be able to bring light into their darkened world once more. As our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he came down from heaven. He endured everything that we endure. He knew what it was to to be really hungry. He knew what it was to be exhausted at the end of a long day. He knew what it was to have people backbiting him. He even knew what it was to to have a a mom that meddled in his business. Have you ever kind of wondered why is Jesus' first miracle that he (coughs) turns water into wine at a wedding? Have you ever kind of scratched your head and said, you know what, it's kind of peculiar, isn't it? That that would be the very first miracle. But as you read through the text, you know, Jesus is at the wedding, right? And, and he's in, enjoying his, his time there. And they run out of wine. And the mother of Jesus comes to him and, and says, son, you know, there's a problem here. You need to do something about it. And he says, mom, my time has not yet come. This Jesus' response, 
Mary comes and says, hey, make some wine. And he's like, mom, my time has not yet come. But she insists. <coughs> Jesus, obedient to his mother, he makes the wine even though it wasn't time to start his ministry. That's why you know the first miracle is, is that water becomes wine is because Jesus is obedient to his mom, even though it wasn't yet time. You see, Jesus knows everything. He experiences everything that, that we do. Right? He knows what it is to have a mom that, you know, meddles in his ministry. He knows little things like that. He knows what, what it is to be in pain. He knows what it is to suffer for the sins of the world. He knows what it is to be abandoned. He knows what it is to be hanging there upon the cross, having healed every single person he came in contact with over a period of three years, having had a, an outer group of, of 70 followers, having had a, an inner group of you know 12 men that he put a lot of time and invested a, a lot of ministry into. And as he hangs upon the cross, there is one fellow there, John. He looks down and says, you know, John, take care of my mom. Mom, go live with John. Right? He's the one guy. The one guy that's loyal. He knows what it is to come to the end of his life and to be essentially alone. He knows our pain. He knows everything that we've gone through. He loves us just the same. Dear friends, that is our Lord. He came to save us. He came to open the way to heaven for all who believe. He came to give you new life in the here and now. He came because we needed him so desperately. And he came because of his great love for us. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen. <laughs>